This is episode 72, Cryptocurrency 101 with Jack Carger, and we're going to keep this intro relatively short and sweet because this is a very information, education-packed episode, so like, put on your glasses, pull up a seat, and be ready to be mind-blown and educated. This was a really fun learning experience for both Lauren and I because we are we have varying experience in the cryptocurrency world, but we were both really hungry for information. We were really curious. Go figure. So Jack is the co-founder. This is episode 72, Cryptocurrency 101 with Jack Carger. And in this week's episode, Jack, who is the one of the co-founders at Source Protocol, he tells us all about the world of cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs, so much more. Jack is a wealth of knowledge. You can really just tell that he knows his shit. So we were really excited to sit down and talk with him. Both Lauren and I have varying degrees of experience in the world of cryptocurrency, and we were just very curious, go figure, who would have thought, and wanted to learn more. We were just hungry for information. So we're excited to just help disseminate this knowledge and this information to the people who might need it. So if you're someone who, whether you've already entered the world of cryptocurrency investing, or maybe you're just like me and you've dipped your toe in, but you really want to understand more before you go even deeper, this episode will be perfect for you. And Jack really educates us on the history of cryptocurrency. It's really interesting to know how all this has evolved. Um, We also talk about the real world applications of it, where it's going, what you need to know, and especially what to ne- what you need to know if you're a new investor. He drops a ton of resources, people to follow, courses, things like that. So pay attention if you know you're going to want to extend your education and increase your knowledge after this episode. And if you're listening and you're like, this is awesome, thank you so much for sharing, then take a screenshot of your phone on whatever your favorite podcast platform is that you listen on and share it to your Instagram stories. Tag us at there's a hack for that. We love just getting to see a glimpse into you know what you enjoyed, share a takeaway, show some support to our wonderful guests that give their time to us and just continue to feed our curiosity, which is what this show is all about. So without further ado, on to our conversation with Jack. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Lauren and I are excited to learn some things. I want to know all the things. We want to know everything. <laughs> this is just as much yeah, we'll, for us as we'll it is. We'll see if for we can get through that in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I True. don't know. I don't know much of anything. Erica, where are you in this? Just before we even tell the people what we're talking about. How much do you know? <laughs> well, I have a Coinbase account, so I'm obviously oh. like almost at expert level, right, Jack? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. No, this is great. And I think the best place to start is let's first hear a little bit about you and your story and and like how long you've been involved in this world. And then we'll kind of go into the 101 and start educating the listeners. So sure. tell us your story. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you guys a quick background here. Gosh, it's 2022 now. So I guess that makes it six years that I've been involved in the crypto realm. I got invested into Ethereum and Bitcoin in uh, late 2016. Very classic story. You know, heard about it from a friend probably at a bar or something like that and was like, oh, I'll check it out. Fast forward about 
seven, eight, nine months from that point in time when I bought my first crypto, I actually co-founded a company called Crypto Collective in 2017 that provided consulting and advisory type services to early stage projects and, and startups in the blockchain and crypto sphere. We ha- helped, I think, a dozen clients or so, you know, everything from branding, social media, tech review and strategy development, all that good stuff. So I was involved professionally. And we also, through Crypto Collective, educated around 30,000 people around the world on blockchain and, and cryptocurrency, what it's all about how to go about the the ecosystem and you know where it's headed. From there, uh, I'm actually proud to say that I'm a co-founder uh, and the chief, the chief strategy officer of a company called Source Protocol that is a decentralized financial technology startup. We're about to finish up our series A here in the next few months and and hopefully you and your listeners will will be in here will be hearing a lot more about us through other airwaves. So that's my background in, in the crypto realm. It's been my life for the last several years and and something I'm ob- obviously very passionate about. Yeah. Well, first, congrats on the new company and all, all of that moving forward. That's really exciting. So my some of my background with this, besides like watching that Netflix documentary about Bitcoin, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or whenever that came out, besides that, I work with government and we put on IT trade shows all over the country. And about three years ago, I think, blockchain was like the big buzzword. And we had to have a session at every conference about like blockchain and application within government and all of that. So as we dive into this kind of, you know, cryptocurrency 101, or I should also say our listeners probably have a varying degree of education and knowledge of this world, but we're really keeping this like foundational level. So listeners, if you're advanced, you know, this this episode may not be for you. But let's start with just defining some of these words, especially mm-hmm. like you just mentioned blockchain. So the difference between blockchain and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all that stuff, because people sometimes tend to think they're one and the same, but they're like, obviously right. very different. Right. Yeah. I'll kind of give you a, you guys a background on crypto in general. It's underlying technology blockchain. That's the relationship there you know, kind of where it started and where we are now and where it's headed. So let's start with cryptocurrency, right? It's really at the end of the day, digital currencies that are designed to work as a medium of exchange online, you know, for payments, buying goods and services, you know, what have you within online gaming, whatever it may be, right? There are also cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which I'm sure you and your, your listeners are familiar with. If They've been on the internet in the last two years at all, (laughs) Uh, which was the first cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin is sometimes referred to a store of value as well. So similar to gold or real estate, right? Hence the the nickname, it it gets occasionally digital gold. So, you know, crypto was experimented with in, you know, the 80s and, and 90s, but never truly developed until the 2000s. And again, the first crypto, which is Bitcoin, emerged in 2008 when Satoshi Nakamoto, which could be a person, could be a group of people, could be an entity. No one really knows. Satoshi Nakamoto is still uh, anonymous. But when they or he or she or them introduced Bitcoin, which is the first cryptocurrency that you know successfully used blockchain technology at scale, Bitcoin and this ecosystem of cryptocurrencies has essentially blossomed since then into 
a, a pretty widespread and far-reaching network that has thousands of different cryptocurrencies now that all offer you know varying use cases and utility for this new era of you know online interaction. One of the most exciting developments, which we'll probably get into in a bit, is the use of what's called smart contracts, which actually enable the development of decentralized applications and, and the automation of traditional financial services like borrowing, lending, you know, insurance, credit cards, what have you. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, you know, what's the point of crypto, right? Like why, why did this come into existence? What is it being used for and why are people excited about it? Really, it's we're seeing that it's become the preferred method of online digital currency because it doesn't require third party or centralized institution like a bank or the likes of PayPal or other finan financial institutions to verify transactions. There's no need for them. Instead, I guess a good layman's way to put it would be that, you know, cryptos are based on blockchain technology, which ensures all the transactions are valid and, and all of those transactions are also made public for anyone to verify. This all takes place in a decentralized manner. Another way to put that is, you know, the tasks of managing and maintaining the value of a cryptocurrency, verifying transactions, all that good stuff is actually distributed among the cryptocurrency's user base instead of upheld by, you know, a centralized organization in a centralized fashion. So that's that's the big deal here. We're removing the middlemen uh, and removing the need for, you know, Becky at the bank to take care of, of these transactions. So, you know, at the end of the day, crypto offers users greater control over their finances, a, a much easier way to transfer money or value online and with fewer costs and, and less restrictions than traditional methods. Some examples of that, you know, as opposed to banks that just recently we had Martin Luther King Day, it was closed on the weekends, they're closed, that kind of thing. Crypto's 24 seven, 365, mm -hmm. right? It's borderless as well. I can send my cryptocurrency to anyone anywhere in the world at any time of day. And because there, again, there's no third party intermediary, the costs are extremely reduced. And, you know, another big thing that I just want to mention, and that's important for, you know, your listeners to understand as well, if they don't already, is that cryptos have a limited and defined supply, which quite literally means the amount of said crypto that will ever be in circulation, right? As opposed to our government, which you know, recently printed, you know, trillions of dollars that added to uh, the U.S. dollar supply and is thus, you know, causing inflation of upwards six, seven, eight percent. You know, cryptocurrencies are limited in supply, so they'll only ever be so much of a, of a given crypto. And that's what they call deflationary by definition, right? Which means that our value and the value of a said cryptocurrency isn't going to go down in relation to the amount that's circulating over time. And, and that's a big deal. Whereas your $20 bill that used to buy a couple hamburgers at McDonald's 10 years ago now only buys one or two or whatever the, the correlation is. But I'm going deep now. So I want to pause there and, and make sure I'm making sense so far and make sure we're on track. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And yeah. I was definitely taking all that in. And I think I was trying to think like, what what am I really getting from this? And the first thing that really comes up is 
to be willing to go into the world of crypto and adopt this new form of currency, it really requires us to change our beliefs about money. Because Mm -hmm. as you were talking about the banks, and it's like, oh, I can't go to the bank on the weekend, and they're closed on holidays, and I can't make transactions, and I have to wait one to two days when I want to get my money from Venmo or whatever. And now what you're saying is like, no, it's your money, and you literally have access to it whenever you want. You can send it wherever you want. There's no like, there's no overarching authority that's like, you know, here's your money and here are all the rules around it. You're like removing these confines and constructs that society has put on money. Well said. Could not agree more. (laughs) And I imagine that's why we haven't heard about it as much. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Because it's being like, they're trying to control the narrative because banks are businesses and they're integrated. It's one of these other broken systems, you know, the BS that we have to deal with in our our governments. Oh, 100%. Because I'm hearing you and I'm like, okay, that's what I thought this was. But like, <laughs> I haven't been curious enough to like dive in. But like, you're you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's so, okay. This makes all yeah, the it sense, makes sense in the world. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, right? I'm, I'm an international like traveler, like <laughs> having to do the exchange rates and the, like mm-hmm. being aware of all these little minute details to understand how money works in our world is, oh, it's it's meant to like, bored bore people out of caring (laughs) well right and i mean you guys said it too you know the banks and these financial institutions right now they have a monopoly on money which is used every day by almost every person on earth right and when you have a monopoly on a system like that you've got control over a lot of things and so you know something that we'll probably get into later in the conversation as well as you know what the the doors that cryptocurrency is opening, not just people like us who live in the first world, fortunately, but even more so for for people in third world countries who have access to a cell phone and the internet, but no financial tools available to them, you know, currently, it's a big deal because soon they are. And, you know, when that happens, there's going to be a, a transformational shift in the way our economy works, especially online. So, Anywho, I, you could tell I'm, I'm obviously excited about it. I think, yeah. but it's a huge opportunity for advocacy too in the financial yep. world, in the business world, because talk about a shift of power when all of these people in not first world countries are empowered in their businesses and yep. their lives to participate. I think there's oh, going to yeah. be some real pissed off people about that. <laughs> Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah, and I feel like you know, I've been aware of this for a long time. I mean, Jack, whenever we first met through my ex, got, I mean, that was probably like five years ago or something like that. Like, you know, so Clint always talked about it. And so I was aware of it, didn't start investing at all. And then I feel like it's been this like thing I can't ignore in the last few years. And finally, last year, I was talking to a friend who's very educated about it. And I trust that, you know, him and he was explaining stuff to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to download Coinbase. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I put an amount of money into it that I'm like, you know what, if this disappears, I won't be upset. And I just want to like dip my toe in and experience it. But can you talk a little bit about, I mean, besides the obvious, I guess would be that access to information is so easy now. So that could be why it's exploded in popularity. It's it's Mm -hmm. so easy to see a post about it on social media or a YouTube video or whatever. So, but if you have any other underlying philosophies of why it's really starting to spread and then Hmm. like, is it too late to get started if someone's never 
like if they're just hearing about it today, which probably isn't the case, or they're just they've never done anything. Is it too late? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I'll tackle the first part of that question. To put it frankly, crypto is is really reshaping how society interacts and behaves online. And that's a big statement because you guys know as well as I do, most of our lives and at least economic uh, transactions take place online. So, you know, that's where everything is headed. I'm sure you guys have heard about like the metaverse and that kind of stuff. Now, you know, this this is a, a big deal. Crypto is kind of a base layer to the future of where all of that is headed and, and web point or 3.0 and that kind of thing, which I'll, I'll get into in a bit as well. But as mentioned, you know, a little bit ago, we're removing the middlemen. We're reducing costs. We're allowing for 24-7 operation of one's money. We're allowing for full control over one's money. We're allowing for individuals to interact directly without any anything or anybody in between. We're saving time and you know a whole lot more. But why I would say recently crypto is really starting to blow up as, as compared to maybe 2017, 2018 is a couple of different trends that are taking place. Namely, two two trends that have taken uh, the world by storm, at least you know, in 2020 and 2021, which is decentralized finance. They call it DeFi for short, as as well as NFTs, which stands for non fungible tokens. So, DeFi again is, is short for decentralized finance, which is essentially taking traditional financial services and applications like borrowing, you know, taking out a loan lending money, insurance, credit cards, pension funds, and, and you know, a whole lot more. And with the use of what are called smart contracts, removing any need for a third party and completely automating those processes. So whereas crypto originally was just a transactional thing, right? Sending a, a money or a store of value over the airwaves directly to your peers, it's now turning into this ecosystem where these decentralized applications are being built that allow for the automated execution of what are traditionally super intensive, you know, time eating up type processes that you got to deal with with your bank or, you know, credit credit union or what what have you, right? So an example of that is taking out a loan where traditionally you know, at a bank, you've you've got to provide some form of collateral in your house or something like that. Mm-hmm. This process takes weeks. You've got to talk to multiple people. You've got to get certain approvals. They've got to look at, you know, your address, make sure you live there. All of this crazy stuff. Run <laughs> your credit, which is a system that, again, benefits the, the monopoly on money and, and everything else. Whereas that, you know, is what's happening in the, in the traditional realm. What's happening with decentralized finance right now is if you're able to get on one of these platforms, provide a form of collateral, which is usually just in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or, or one of these other cryptocurrencies, let's, let's use numbers to really paint this out. Let's say you have $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. You can hop on a platform, provide that as collateral. They'll issue you a loan up to you know somewhat, sometimes 75% of that value. So in this case, $7,500. Oftentimes, one to three percent annual interest with very favorable payment terms. <laughs> Both of our faces that, are like, "What?" 
<laughs> that doesn't require you to even give your name, your address, anything to do with your credit score, nothing. If you put up the Bitcoin, the loan can be issued to you, right? And so people are, are doing this. They'll, they'll put up their holdings in Bitcoin and they'll use the money out of the loan to go buy another house for a rental property or what have you. So we're really talking about opening up the, the financial arena to a whole lot more than what it's been beholden to at, at this point and in a way that allows users to maintain a ton of control. Because one thing I didn't mention in that process, when you put up that Bitcoin, you actually never give up custody of it. It's non-custodial. It's locked in a smart contract that's publicly auditable code, right? And as soon as you want to pay that loan off in full or, or get out of that, you can. There, there's no prepayment or late fees or anything like that, right? So it's an interesting world that's blowing up. Now, that's DeFi. And the one other thing I wanted to mention was NFTs, because I'm yeah. sure you and your users have, have heard about this as well. And it's part and parcel as to why crypto as a whole is blowing up right now. Now, NFTs stand for non-fungible token, as I'm sure you guys might know, which at the end of the day really represents unique, verifiable, authentic ownership of assets that exist on and even off the internet. So they can't be duplicated. Now, when we say on the internet, we're talking about things like, I don't know if you guys play any video games or anything like that, but these kids these days, it's huge to buy certain skins for your video game character or certain you know weapons that they run around with or their shoes or whatever. You know, Those are online digital assets. NFTs are creating a way to be able to verify ownership of unique online digital assets so they cannot be... Um, duplicated in any way, shape, or form, right? They're doing the same thing with artwork nowadays. So very expensive pieces of artwork, you know, upwards of millions of dollars, they're now implementing RFID and, and microchips that are relayed back to an NFT that authenticates the ownership and that that is that real painting, right? And beyond, you know, the art world and and that kind of stuff, these digital skins and video games, NFTs are also being created for membership type ownership and services, right? So to give you guys an example, I would not be surprised if airlines like Southwest Airlines or United or something like that in the next couple of years come out with NFTs that people can own and bid on that, let's say if you owned that NFT, you every time you checked out of Southwest Airlines, you'd get 50% off your flight no matter what. Right. Or if you own that NFT, you'd have access to certain privileges on the airplane that other people don't, like maybe free drinks or something like that. So we're seeing service based NFTs as well. And this is really blowing up crypto because underlying this, you know, NFT craze is the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry and networks that have to support it all. Right. Because to buy these NFTs, it, you, you do it through these, these cryptocurrencies like Ethereum. And Solana and some of these, some of these others. So, so the, anyways, the I'm nerding out and going way <laughs> off. Yeah, exactly. But so the infrastructure is being built as it grows. Is that what I'm understanding? That's correct. Yeah, that's so it's, interesting. It's constantly iterating and improving, and there's so much to talk about. I mean, I could take up hours of your guys's time. So I want to shut my mouth. I'll stop there for a minute. <laughs> but that is why I think crypto is. Uh, exploding particularly the last year into year or two 
And to answer that second part of the question, I guess I'm not going to stop there. <laughs> I was like, to wait, the you second have more. Part of that question, <laughs> I think you said, you know, is it too late to get started today? I would hope that my first part of that answer gives credence to the second and that it's absolutely not too late to get started. I could dish you guys some quick facts for your listeners. There's only about 100 to 200 million active cryptocurrency users around the world right now. If you do some quick math, that's only 1% to 2% of the entire world population. Wow. We talked earlier about you know the people that don't currently have access to any financial instruments or tools. That's That number is about 30% of the entire world population. Yet, more closer to like 97% of the world population has a cell phone and access to the internet. So that delta of 27% of people we're going to see all of a sudden get access to financial tools and services that they've never had before in the next couple of years. Is it too late? Absolutely not. This thing's just getting started. And to give you one more perspective, the total market cap of cryptocurrency, which in layman's basically means how much money is truly behind the infrastructure and have been invested into these, these softwares and protocols, is about $2 trillion dollars. To give you some comparisons, the market cap of gold is about $12 trillion on its own. The real estate market cap is about $340 trillion. And the global stock market is somewhere around $120 trillion. Again, crypto sitting at $2 trillion. So is there room to grow, especially considering that you know cryptocurrency and blockchain in general has a huge potential to be a large footprint and base layer of the future internet? I think so. I have a question that I've, okay, so in 2020, I started hearing my friends go, oh, I'm going to set up this computer to mine for blockchain. Like my business, right. one of my business partners was like hoarding all of our old like towers, like our PC towers so he could set them up to, and I'm like, what does that even mean? I'm <laughs> sure our listeners, I, this is a, this is like a total like, like, oh, yeah. like off the off the path question here, but I know some of our listeners have heard this. Somebody, one of their kooky friends who's into tech, is like, "Oh, I'm mining for blockchain. It's my it's my full time job." Yeah. What what <laughs> the hell is that? What does that mean? <laughs> okay, so do you remember earlier when I said that unlike these traditional financial processes that we're used to, like banks and PayPal and and that kind of stuff, um. Those require a centralized authority or intermediary to actually verify these these transactions. They have software at these big banks that actually, you know, run all of these ledgers, verify all of these transactions and, you know, make sure that the wire that Erica sent me last week from Bank of America got to my USAA savings account or whatever, right? Crypto has no need for that. And the reason that there's no need for that is because the actual community, its user base, aka what some would call miners, are the ones that uphold the network. So rather than there being one centralized authority, you know, let's say that's sitting in New York with a server farm that's verifying all these transactions, you've got tens of thousands of computers that are owned by individuals all across the world that are plugged into the same network and blockchain that all that verify all of these transactions that take place on the blockchain independently but also in con in concert with each other right and then when we talk about the fact that the the ledger or the blockchain is public information 
that's why and how all of that that operates, right? So these these miners, these the the computers and systems that uphold the networks behind these cryptocurrencies, they get rewarded in that native cryptocurrency for doing so, right? Because it takes CPU and GPU power to run these miners, to actually run all of that source code, run these algorithms and these mathematical equations that do indeed validate and prove a said transaction took place on the chain. So does that make sense well, and, so far? And it's expensive, right, to to do that, to for someone to set up their computer to run that like electricity and stuff like that. So what, yeah, one of the main, I don't want to call it an issue, but one of, one of the main hurdles that is, is being kind of leaped over with, with Bitcoin in particular right now is the cost of electricity. So, you know, some of it's done on computers, other of, most of it's done on what's called these ASIC miners, which are essentially these GPU units that do suck a, a ton of electricity. So, and they also run really hot. So a lot of times you'll see mining operations are done in super cold climates or like in basements and that kind of thing. But definitely something that they're they're tackling at the moment. And there's projects and and certain softwares being developed that are hoping to aid in that pursuit. So really any energy source. So I've I've heard of I'm I have a background in oil and gas. I've heard of people going up to North Dakota and setting up these little huts around these gas wells that are burning off all of their gas because it's they're only using the oil like any any energy source i think will end up being like there'll be you know solar fields with the connected to these computers eventually like it's that's interesting that that's like the main kind of like issue that we're trying to deal with because that's such a huge conversation just in general is energy and energy cost in our country I mean, oh, 100 percent. And they're even doing like hydroponics and and that kind of stuff around as well. Like they have miners that are like literally in water. The first thing thing that came to my head is like, how can I have a how can I have a greenhouse with plants that create energy so I can do this? Like I want to make it as hard as possible for myself. (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, and I think a trend just because this is interesting. I just figured I'd mention this. I think a trend that we're going to see with mining especially as like regulate regulations around crypto and, and blockchain and, and that kind of thing become more clear is projects are going to attach to like city centers and cities and local local county governments and that kind of thing because it can actually be be viewed as as part of kind of their treasury system in a way if they're mining bitcoin they're making bitcoin as a reward for mining Bitcoin, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. for for upholding the network and contributing the resources necessary to help upload the net or uphold the network. So, and we're seeing that with governments across the world already, like in El Salvador and that kind of thing, right? And they're starting to set up operations and and actually get involved here because they realize that not only um, you know is this a great store of value and kind of the future of of the internet and where payment systems are going. But they they can also you know make uh, passive money off of it as well that can help support certain initiatives and and whatever else it might be. So just figured I'd I'd note that as well. Is there yeah. a threat that governments or some regulating body is going to try to come in and put their dollar signs on this? You know I love this question because it gets asked constantly in the crypto realm and. You know, it's tough to say like China and some of the other powers that be, you know, they'll come out with headline after headline of, oh, they're, you know, 
they're banning mining or, you know, the next week they're, they're undoing their ban on mining or whatever it is. And you've got other governments that just don't even understand it at all. You've got regulators that are completely kind of remiss of, of what's even, you know, taking place here in, in a transformational sense. So I think what, what needs to happen is over the next couple of years, uh, I think regulators are at least aware that this is a potentially transformational technology, even if they don't understand it. And I think what we're going to see is over the next couple of years, they're going to take their time to get a better hold on it. Like right now, they look at Bitcoin as property. And I kind of made that comparison earlier where there's a lot of people that would argue it's it's currency. And we don't we won't get into it on this podcast, but there's a ton of effects and you know, things that take place on the back end as a result of, you know, how you actually look at these things in these systems and how you define them. So I think like over the next couple of years, because the community and the ecosystem is growing so fast and becoming kind of, you can't ignore it at this point, we'll see them get more familiar with it and we'll start to get some more regulatory clarity. Are they going to want their hands involved in it? Absolutely. Like I said, you know, El Salvador and some of these other governments are actually dedicating purchasing power that they have to accumulating Bitcoin as a store of value for their respective governments. You've got guys like Michael Saylor, who runs a software company called MicroStrategy, who is buying a Bitcoin by, you know, the hundreds of millions at certain times. So, you know, are the powers that be, especially from a governmental standpoint, going to want to get their fingers and, and toes in this? I think so. And they'll certainly regulate accordingly and favorably to to them and, you know, whoever they're involved with on the back end. Right. So we just got to be careful and we got to advocate from community level and as as we the people, for lack of a better term, to ensure that. We, we do as much as we can to avoid any of those regulations and legalities to favor some and, and not others. So we're doing our part by helping to educate our listeners so they can be in the know and go fight for our rights and stuff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you got it. That's my passion speech. Um, I like it. Yeah. Let's move on to some of the practicality around this, right? We've given the people the history lesson. They have a strong foundation understanding, mm -hmm. but now they want to go out and make some money. They want to get into the hype and enjoy the fruits of whatever is to come. So <laughs> where does someone start? Like, should we take a course? Should we seek mm -hmm. out mentorship? Should we take to YouTube and just find the top rated video? What's your advice for someone just getting started? Yeah. You know, I kind of answer that twofold. I, I guess it's it starts with you you and your listeners have the best sense of, you know, your time, your schedule, you know, what kind of what kind of hours and effort and energy you can dedicate to this sort of thing. So if the answer is, hey, dude, I got a full time job, I've got other investments, I'm pretty hardwired there. If anything, I just have some time, you know, maybe to check in, you know, once or twice a week and and passively invest, right? If that's the case, um, and you're a bit more like maybe risk averse, right? Uh, you can get into crypto with a couple of Google searches and, and YouTube searches. I mean, seriously, like what is crypto? What are the best exchanges in the United States to buy crypto from? I would obviously like Coinbase is a really easy place to start in Erica. It sounds like you're already on that road. 
Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, seriously, there's so much information online. And I said Google, but I would recommend DuckDuckGo. Uh, yes. Yeah, hit it, hit him with that duck duck go. Mm-hmm. There's so much information online and so many articles that will literally point like there's articles titled how to get started in crypto. So if you're on that level, you know, that that's that's where to go. And I guess anybody and everybody that's starting, you know, I, I would I would just hit it with that. And it's cool because Coinbase and some of these other platforms, if you're like, hey, I want to throw 20 bucks a week at Bitcoin or something like that, just to like buy some, I've got conviction in it long term. You know, they have ways to automate. It'll say, do you want to purchase Bitcoin once a week at this time of day? And you say, yep. And Mm -hmm. it'll literally do it for you automatically. I would actually say just to rewind a little bit, before you invest your first dollar into crypto, I think where we're really, really starting is like, you know, listen to podcasts like these, do a little bit of research and at least make sure that you have like conviction in where all of this is going. Obviously, I'm excited about it, have conviction in it, but you know, not everybody feels the same way. So first, you know, make sure it's a worthy investment for you. Once you've crossed that path, that's when we you can kind of get into what we're discussing here. A couple Google searches, YouTube, there's so much so much great info out there. It's very easy to get started. And all of the applications surrounding cryptocurrency and like buying it, setting up your bank account, all of that. They're they're very much with the times. It's not like you're going to be like figuring out a maze or something like that. It's very simple stuff that you're used to in terms of like forms you fill out and that kind of thing. You don't right. have to like play so. Minesweep and then like exactly. not die in order to get a crypto account. <laughs> right. No, they've, they've gotten with the times. They've, they've come to the right. 21st century. Five years ago, it was a little difficult back then, but things, things have changed and it's very easy to get into crypto. I would say for the folks that are listening that maybe already have some Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum, some other top like altcoins, whatever, and want to go like deeper, there are tons of courses that you can take on like Udemy and that kind of thing. Like if you really want to get to understanding like the tech and therefore give yourself a better kind of perspective when you're reviewing certain projects or a certain cryptocurrencies or whatever that you're thinking about investing in, there are tons of paid mentorship programs where there's guys that literally their job is to educate people on cryptocurrency, how to invest. And specifically, we're seeing this with like DeFi guys showing you how to go take out a loan on a decentralized financial platform or how to go lend your money to get interest back on it for you know every year. So there's a lot of that. And then I would also point any of your users to like Twitter is huge for crypto. You can type in some hashtags like, you know, crypto or hashtag DeFi or blockchain tech or you know, Web3 or whatever it is. And there's tons of great informations and or information and links and videos that, that pop up there. And then there's also, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Telegram and Discord, but they're just, you know, me- messaging platforms um, where you can get into like groups and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of paid and free groups that you can get into as well. That's literally like, you know, upward you know sometimes a couple dozen to upwards of like thousands of people in a chat talking about cryptos talking about nfts talking about DeFi, what they're investing in why they like it that kind of thing so you can really get plugged in through that community as well and and again that's all for people who are looking to dive like deep into crypto and, and really be paying attention to it but yeah that's a lot i i hope that's helpful absolutely it's great there's so many resources yeah 
mm-hmm. this is the part of the show where we ask Jack, good investment idea or bad investment idea? So the way that I approach my crypto um, investment when I started it last summer or whatever, my friend was with me and he walked me through it. So I felt very safe and comfortable. And then my strategy is like, for a while I was checking it often and it was really fun because it like goes up and then down and then up and down. And like you said, it's open 24 seven. So at 2 a.m. when you can't sleep, it's like, what is my crypto doing? And I don't have an addictive personality, thankfully. So I was able to quit that real quick. But now, honestly, I just checked it right now for fun because I haven't looked at it in like three months. But my approach Mm -hmm. is like, I'm just going to put it there. And like maybe in a year when I open it, it'll like be a lot of money. But I don't like I don't plan to keep up on crypto news or like anything like that. Is that, you know, and I don't have a ton of money in there, but good idea or bad idea, Jack. I listen, I I think, you know, generally speaking, I think it's a it's a good idea. And here's the reason why. If you're not in a position to where again, as I kind of described, is you can kind of like be full time in crypto, be like really paying attention. And if not full time, be dedicating hours after work and on the weekends or whatever to like really be paying attention to the market. And what it sounds like to me you're describing Erica is like, hey, I'm a passive investor. I've got conviction in where all of this is like heading long term, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna be reading articles every week and I don't even care to check the price of like some of my investments. I just, I've done my research. I know that there are projects that I see doing well in the long term. I want to accumulate and add some more money to it as I go on, but I don't want to check anything. That's like 90% of people involved in crypto, right? And what I always recommend to them, and you'll hear, you know, a lot of other very prominent like financial figures who know way better than I do what they're doing, recommend the same, which is to like dollar cost average. They call it DCA for short. And that's essentially saying like, hey, I'm planning on holding this investment for the next two, three, five, ten years, right? I'm not worried about today's price versus yesterday afternoon's price and how much it fluctuated or even a month from now. I'm worried about like where are we generally today and where do I think we're going to be in five years? The best way to approach it, especially if you're not looking at the news and you're not looking to get out of your trades to realize like certain capital gains or anything, is to literally just you know, say, Hey, I make about this much a month. I have this much disposable income that I'm willing to put into this investment. And that, you know, I think makes sense for my budget. And then I'm not like afraid to lose if anything, you know, terrible happens and throw however much in every week. Maybe, maybe it's every month. Maybe it's like a little bit of money every day. Like you're buying a cup of coffee, but just average into that asset over time. So that by the time you've accumulated and a couple of years have rolled by, and again, assuming that that asset that you invested in performed like you thought it would, you know, you'll be up and, and feeling pretty damn good. And the whole time you weren't stressing about a daily or weekly or monthly price. Mm-hmm. Right. And also just, I'm not a tax advisor. Yeah. I'm not like a financial <laughs> advisor, financial but <laughs> for capital gains, which is how, you know, the U.S. is currently looking at at any money or earnings you make off of crypto at least as far as as just value is concerned you you save a lot on taxes if you hold your cryptocurrency investment for a year or more so if you're trading if you buy bitcoin today and you sell in april and it's only been you know 2 3 months 
that is a different tax structure than if you buy Bitcoin today and you wait until February of 2023 to sell. You'll save money on on taxes with with being over a year mark, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I just figured I'd I yeah, I will confirm that as somebody who works in the investments and bookkeeping and taxes, like Oh good. That would have been embarrassing if you said <laughs> Actually <laughs> Actually <laughs> No, you're you're spot on. Like it's the same rules that all the investment funds that I manage use. We I have oil, we have oil and right. gas holdings and like we make sure to exactly. either sell them before the end of the year or before the 12 months if we don't want to like have to deal with them or understand if we keep them we have to keep them for at least 24 months so yeah it's it's the exactly. same same thing and there is language in the 2021 rules that just came out for the taxes about crypto mm. um i saw that on an instagram post from one of the like financial tax people that i follow i'll try to find it and share it on our Send it to me. I will. I know. I saw it. I saw it in a deep scroll one night. Oh, I I know how those go. My brain. This is lighting my brain up because this is. I've gotten like consistent exposure to this in the last two years, and I was thinking to myself, okay, every time we have an expert on the podcast, it like ignites something. I get some kind of message. It's like it's time to research this. <laughs> so here we go. I'll let you know I'm what honored, I find. I'm honored to be called an expert too. Thank you for that. You know, <laughs> be prepared. Be prepared. I'll be messaging you. Be like, I found this. Is this real? <laughs> you just became Bring it on. Awesome. Bring it on. Happy to help. Oh, well, this has been so great. You answered, there was one more question, but we kind of answered it within yeah. all the answers that you've given before. So I think I'm trying to think if there's any other loose ends. Lauren, is there anything else you can think of that we want to clarify or expand on? No, I'm just so fascinated as a business owner about getting ahead of the trends because, you know, when Facebook changed its name to Meta, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> and you know, you know the the most recent Matrix movie just came out, so I'm like, this is all a little too close to home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's the the future is now. That whole thing is like so real. So I'm just. Yeah. I hope that our listeners got got care. Will continue to be curious about this. Yeah, and it's yeah. it'll be exciting to see the evolving and expanding application for all of this. I mean, even as a small business owner and a coach, I'm like, okay, how, you know, one of my biggest things, because what I do is work with people and their health and I run functional labs with people. And those are sometimes really inaccessible because they're expensive Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but it's like in the future, you know, will I be able to accept payment of cryptocurrency? So someone who maybe, I don't know, they have access to that, but not another way of paying. So it's just like kind of- I mean, you could now, you could now, Erica. Oh my There's God. ways I could show you. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so exciting! No, and like honestly, <laughs> they're like coach. Yeah, and you guys as as uh, business owners too, like, and I'm of course a little biased because this is literally the industry that we're developing a product in. But DeFi is really going to change the game, like not just for individuals and you know the the person halfway across the world that doesn't currently have any financial access, but. Mm-hmm. Also for like first world businesses and like how their balance sheet is structured and how they're actually acquiring new new debt, right? And that kind of stuff. Like one example I'll just leave you guys with just to get you like a little excited as like business owners is 
you know, I'm sure you guys have bank accounts and, you know, some might be setting like sitting in savings or checkings, you know, whatever it may be. And this even goes for like your personal side of the house. Those savings counts, I don't know if you guys, you know, look too deep into like the percentages or anything. They're nothing. It's nothing. Meanwhile, the bank is out using your deposits to invest in stuff where they're making like 14 to 20 percent oftentimes. And they're dishing you like a half a percent at the end of the year. Right. right? I love when I get a 56 per like cent, just 56 cents as like my, it's like, here's your return. (laughs) You just just blew my mind wide open. Thanks. I'm going to go buy two gumballs with (laughs) that. I appreciate it. I don't even know if you could get two gumballs with that. I don't Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. You're probably, it's moved to a dollar. When I do my coaching in the business setup on books, I'm like, open a savings account to move your tax money. Cause if you're self-employed, you you're responsible for your own tax withholding and now mm-hmm. i'm like you could turn that tax withholding into something oh yeah while it's waiting to be paid in your traditional taxes and i was doing micro lending on the internet years ago through companies like in every for birthdays i would do a micro loan in my sister's name for her birthday because it was her thing mm-hmm. like you just mm-hmm. like made a connection there for me that I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, and I'll even take it one step further for you, Lauren. Like what I was getting to with the whole savings account example, and I promise I'll stop talking soon. I know I've been talking a lot. Oh, good. That's, that's the point is, of this, actually. Yeah, right? Yeah, I guess it is a podcast. Huh? In DeFi, what's happening right now is they have these things called stable coins as well. There's a couple examples I could give, like USDC. It perfectly mimics the United States dollar, right? And the idea behind it is they needed something in the, in the cryptocurrency and blockchain realm to represent more stable value as opposed to you know the volatility of like bitcoin moving up and down so much right so they created these stable coins that are either backed by the US dollar directly like one to one or backed by a basket of other coins and blue chip cryptocurrencies that hold up the price in a stable fashion Now, what people are doing and even small businesses, what they're doing right now, the ones that are like really leading the way in this are taking what traditionally would have been in their savings accounts that they're holding for tax purposes or, you know, whatever else it might be, investments, new debt, and they're actually converting it into a stable coin and then going to a platform like the one we're building and putting it in a lending position. Where they're making sometimes, you know, as low as like one to two percent, but sometimes upwards of a hundred percent on some of these positions, right? So where you're not losing any value as, as as far as the actual price is concerned, and you're also making an annual percentage yield on it at you know a hundred times of what the bank is giving you, right? So. That's where this whole thing is going, and, and that's what you know brain, gets me up every morning. My brain is exploding. Yeah. I just thought of like yeah. the cannabis industry, the blah blah blah. Like, there's all these industries where they don't use traditional banking because they can't. I'm just right. Like, I need to just maybe have a phone call with you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll talk. We'll talk, Lord. Erica's got my number. Yeah. <laughs> this has been so great. Thank you for really explaining this into an easy to digest way, right? I think it's going to be valuable for so many people. We do have one more question though. We ask this at the end of every interview. What is your current favorite life hack? Oh gosh. Oh, of course. It's probably the one I like didn't prepare for on this. (laughs) Okay. You want to know a good one actually? Do you guys, do you guys like to like exercise and and work out? Mm -hmm. I'm sure some of your users do and stuff. Okay. I have traditionally never been a pre-workout guy. 
right? So I'm I'm not really like probably a good comparison to those who are currently taking like some t- type of like synthetic pre workout, but I got turned on to beet powder or like beet juice. In the last like year, I've been using it for probably like six months now as a pre workout. Yeah, it's just like one little scoop of beet powder that I mix in with like some water. So good. And I'm telling you, that is the best pre workout I've ever had because I did used to do pre workout like back in the day. It's just been a while, but it helps your body and your muscles like absorb oxygen mm-hmm. way better. It helps like I swear to God, I just feel like my blood is pumping in a more efficient and effective way and it's super healthy for you as well. Like it, if you have problems with hypertension or like your blood pressure and that kind of thing, it's a huge help and all of that as well. So my, my hack is, is beet juice all day, every day. Genius. I've not heard that one before. Yeah. And it's healthy and natural and all that good stuff too. You know, I used to make my own pre-workout and one of the ingredients was beet powder. Mm. And I still, I like that for when I go trail running I don't know, for whatever reason, it's like a clean, it's a very clean boost of energy that you don't really crash right. from because it's not, it's like not caffeine or anything, but yeah, right. that's a great, and we haven't heard that one yet, so. Yeah, I, I was hoping it would be unique, so uh-huh. there you go. Absolutely. Everything yeah. about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate this it. This was awesome. Thank you, for being, thank you for being here. This is great. Yeah. And listeners, you know what to do. If this was valuable, if you know people in your life who have been talking to you about crypto or asking about it or whatever, send this episode to them so we can spread the love and spread the education because we really, we need the people to know about this. So do your part, get the word out and leave a rating for us, a, a high rating if you like, leave us a review and don't forget to stay curious. Actually, I'm going to interrupt you. How do we connect with you, Jack, on okay. social media? Where do you want oh, yeah. people to go find you? Yeah, so you can go follow... I, I probably post most of my stuff on Instagram. It's at Jack underscore Carger. My my last name is spelled K-A-R-G-E-R. That's where you'll find me there. It's it's public and everything, so you can just go follow. You don't have to request me. And then same on Twitter, although I'm, I'm not as big there. But I do want to take a quick minute to plug our company. As I mentioned earlier, we're like finishing up our Series A uh, in the next like one to two months here and should be launching around March, April timeframe, though don't hold me to that. But it's called Source Protocol and you can find us on like all platforms at Source Protocol. We're very young. We haven't even started marketing or advertising or anything yet, but super excited about what we're building and, and maybe we'll save that for you know another episode or something. But you can follow us there too. Go follow so Jack and go like like five posts in a row so he yes knows, so he knows that you came from us do it i'd love it and, and do everything <laughs> right. erica said and stay curious yeah now do that and now don't forget to <laughs> stay, stay curious, curious. <laughs> disclaimer this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests if you disagree with any content presented herein please find another show before submitting nasty grams This is a Positive Vibes Only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. 
Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.